Are you recording? Alright. Yes, I am recording. So, I have a confession to make. Up until uh, yesterday, Yeah. I thought we were to, talking about Siberia. <laughs> like Siberian Huskies, that's what I thought we were going. Yeah, yeah, like some, like the really cold place for this part of Russia. Literally, I was expecting snow. No, no. There is actually snow in Serbia, though, isn't there? I I would have thought so at certain times. Yeah, they do have some mountain ranges. So, but yeah, I was. This this explains so much to me because I was like, "It's in Europe. How is it in Europe?" And there's like yeah. that much snow. But yeah, that, that's why <laughs> yeah. I thought we were talking about Siberia. Which, to be fair, this... Siberia, Serbia. Like, I can see how I made this error. Yeah, but yeah, Serbia apparently does um kind of view itself as a bit of like a little Russia kind of thing as well. Oh, does it? Yeah, they're kind of like view themselves a bit similar. Definitely. Um, but yeah, where actually is Serbia? Serbia is in the Balkans. Where are Do you the, know the Balkans is? Where are the Balkans? The Balkans are in southeastern Europe, so that sort of um area where it's um like north of Greece, but like um south of Hungary, that sort of area. I think this is the first one where I'm just going to put a map in the show notes and just uh, take a picture of Serbia on your map and like point at it <laughs> and then that's like I'll, I'll just put that into the show notes because it just seems like it's the most complicated location that we've talked about because the others have all pretty much been almost exclusively islands. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a bit easier it's to... complicated for more than more than just one reason as well. <laughs> like, where's the Balkans? What what actually are the Balkans? The Balkans are some southeastern European countries. So there's like Bulgaria, North Macedonia, Serbia, Sl- uh, Slovenia, Montenegro, Bosnia. So it's kind of like the um, what's the word for the uh, Nordic countries? Croatia. Switzerland. No, Switzerland, Norway, all those. <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> Switzerland's not fucking Is it Nordic. not? What, what's the other ones? No, 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 no. no. The, the fucking the three at the top. The Scandinavian countries. Scandinavia, Denmark, there Sweden, we go. And Norway. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, it's like Scandinavia, where it's not a particular country. It's like a group of countries that are just geographically close. Yes, yes. Okay. And Serbia is located right in the heart of that. With uh, Hungary's to the north, Romania to the northeast, Bulgaria to the southeast, North Macedonia to the south, Croatia and Bosnia Herzegovina to the west, Montenegro to the southwest, and via its disputed claim with Kosovo, which it could possibly share a border with Albania. Right. Let's skip Kosovo for this episode. We'll talk about it. What do we talk yeah. about it? We'll talk about <laughs> it next week. Have its have its own thing. Yeah. We'll give Kosovo its own episode. Cool. Um, which I was going to tell you about the the highest peak in Serbia, 
changes if you include Kosovo, because Kosovo has a higher mountain peak than anywhere else in Serbia. Yes. So the highest mountain in Serbia is actually a contentious thing, because it doesn't know if it counts. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we're skipping that. You, you probably, yeah. <laughs> that was a teaser. <laughs> you said we're going to skip Kosovo, and then immediately go to the dispute. Um, no, but Serbia. So it's in the Balkans. So yeah, for, for future reference, just Balkans, southeastern Europe. So it's in the centre of the southeast of Europe. Yeah. That means it's, so it's landlocked. Yes. So we know roughly where it is. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I've, I've seen come up quite a lot is, is the Slavic people. Where actually are the Slavic people from? Slavic people? Like, what does it mean to be a Slav? Isn't that just, is it just, it's not Russian, and I feel like that's kind of almost <laughs> racist to say that. No, Rus- Russian is part of the Slavic people. Slavic people generally felt to come from the steppes and like spread outward across Europe. And like Serbia is sort of like more the South Slavs, but you do have Northern Slavs and Eastern Slavs. You said they're from the steppes. What's the steppes? Like, just got Google the Eurasian steppe. The Eurasian it's steppe. It's a big. Yeah. That will help you. Yeah. And then. You can see why I'm struggling to place where exactly the steps are, because it's a big place. Oh, so it's literally everywhere from China to Romania. Yeah. All right, okay. And, like, this is where we're going to get a lot of people, like, that you would be familiar with. Everyone in Europe, basically, you're going to eventually trace back to these... These people, but Slav we're focusing migration. specifically on this, the South Slavs of White Serbia. Where's that? Well, White Serbia is kind of a disputed area, but it's generally somewhere between Saxony and the end of the steppes, that area. So the White Serbs are generally considered the true ethnic ancestors of the Serbian people today. Uh, they moved um, into the area that we call um, Serbia around the 600s during the reign of Emperor Heraclius. Emperor, like, you mean, do you mean Roman Emperor? Like Roman Emperor, yeah, because this would have been uh, under the Roman province of Illyricum at the time, which is like Croatia-Serbia area. Oh, right. The, the White Serbs migrated to that, so, I mean, Illyricum was actually a very, uh, very important kind of place for the Empire at the time, but because of at least 18 Roman Emperors were born in the area now known as Serbia. The most famous one was Emperor Constantine the Great. Oh, and that, that's the one that did the Christian stuff, didn't they? He's the first Christian emperor, yeah. He uh, changed the Roman Empire from the old Roman pagan beliefs to the Catholic um, beliefs and sort of developed the Roman Catholic Church. So was Serbia Catholic then for... How long are they, are they still Catholic? Well, the, this is um, this is the thing. So, I, originally the area would have been Roman Catholic. Then after the, and don't even ask me about this, Scott. Just accept this one. <laughs> after the split, after the split of the Roman Empire into two halves, the East and West, Byzantine and traditional Roman. <laughs> just accept it. This happened. You don't need to go on this tangent. <laughs> Don't ask any questions, just accept it. <laughs> but I, mi- I completely missed your explanation what happened. 
I was laughing. Alright, so I was, <laughs> Yeah, the Roman Empire split into two halves. Traditional Roman on the west, Byzantine on the east. There was the Roman Catholic on the west, and the more Orthodox Byzantine on the eastern side. Serbia fell within that side, so it became a more Orthodox form of Christianity. During this time, the Slavic people uh, in the area, like the Serbs, um, adopted the Christianity as they've been there for a while and they started to become more Romanized. Um, they know there was various different tribes, I guess, kingdoms. A bit like how we explained in the Ireland episode with the different Luther. There's a one country but different rulers all over it. Yeah. So in the 1100s, the Nemanjic dynasty was formed and a former Serbian prince, Sava, he left to become a priest. He believed the best way to, to unify Serbia and stop the fighting was religion as much of the violence was caused due to different beliefs people had. He then became the Archbishop of the Church of Serbia, uh, making the religion free from Rome and Constantinople. This actually worked in unifying the people, and he then began to canonize the pre-Christian Slavic beliefs, again similar to what we said in Ireland, where the gods became all like kings, canonized within the Christianity. Um, the same sort of thing happened in Serbia. And that's how we get um, traditional Serbian Orthodox Christianity, which is what the, the most common religion there is today. So that's sort of its origin. you got to think, Sava did this to unify Serbia. He also has this really awesome-looking like, church built for him. I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say dog. I thought you were going to say he had a really awesome looking dog. <laughs> a really cool dog. So like, that's really why people liked him. Like, no one's going to believe him, but then he had a sick ass dog. So, you know. <laughs> um, now, if you, look in, uh, if you look in my notes, Scott, you can see this church because it's still there today. It's, um, it was built for, it wasn't built when he was alive. It was built after to honor him. The Church of St. Sava. Have a look at it. I can see it. It's very cool. Gives, gives me um, Taj Mahal vibes. Yeah, I can see it. I like the fountains outside the front. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But yeah. That was, that, so that was in the Middle Ages. Um, after that, the Ottomans came in. and This is another thing, Scott. We don't have time for this. Just The Ottomans came in and they took over. Hopefully you know who they are. <laughs> Uh, I know they are essentially the Turkish people. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so Turkey essentially made an empire. They did empire. Yeah. thing is, like, I, don't, like, I know it sounds like I'm glossing over a lot of this stuff, but like a lot of it does relate to other countries. And I don't want to steal the Ottoman part away from the Turkey episode, you know? Yeah, that's fair. We'll talk about that then. Otherwise, but the Serbia episode is going to be five hours long. And like, we're like, well, we've done most of Europe now. <laughs> no, but let's go back to the step. So the step goes from China. What's in China? What happened there? Yeah, exactly. Well, we spoke about China enough in the, in the first episode. In Hong Kong, yeah. So the Ottomans, the Turkish people took over. When did they gain him? The Ottomans did Empire. Ottomans and they, um, pulled Empire card. Um, then yeah. when did they become independent again? Um, late 1800s. Okay, so they had quite a long time between um, becoming independent from 
the Ottoman rule and World War One. What happened then? Was there anything important that happened then? No, that's why I left it blank, Scott. We're glossing over this bit. Okay. That's why we look at the notes as completely blank. Well, then how are we linking the Ottoman rule to World War One? Ah! We're just saying that that's what happened in the meantime. So this is all there's staying a time in. Skip. Scott, imagine there's a time skip, right? There's a time skip. <laughs> there's a time skip. We had the Middle Ages, right? <laughs> and then it was skipping to World Season 2. It was like World War One, But, like, we're going we're to skip... We're going to be like, what happened in that time? Oh, the time skip. Oh, the Ottomans took over for a bit, and then the, then the Serbians uh, revolted. We might see it in a flashback later on. <laughs> <laughs> right, so World War One. World War One. Basically, Serbia, they were the aggressors. They were the ones that started it. Kind of. There's obviously, that's always like a big historical debate, um, what, why did World War I start? This was definitely the catalyst for it, but I personally think that like, probably would have happened anyway. The way everyone was building weapons, and the way everyone was ally- allied of each other, and the way various people groups all throughout Europe wanted their independence, like, if it, if it wasn't here, it probably would have happened somewhere else, with the same results. Right, so this was just sort of... It was just a flashpoint sort of thing. But this is definitely the catalyst, yes. So if you want to say that this is, this is the way the war... Um, they caused it, then yeah, you can, you can. You wouldn't be wrong in saying that at all. So many other people groups in the Austro-Hungarian Empire were not happy with their rulers and wanted independence. As the tensions were rising in a pr- predominantly Serb area of Sarajevo, um, Where's Sarajevo? Sarajevo, that's the capital of Bosnia. Oh, so essentially it's Savahero is just like a lot of people live there, like Chinatown. Yeah. Lots of Chinese yeah. people live in Chinatown, yeah. so it's basically like Serb town. Cool. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, just this one part of Sarajevo, not like I say, Chinatown's just one part in London, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is it in London? So, I was so yeah. I was talking about the New York one. Oh, there's one in New York, one in London, there's one oh, in there? San Francisco, I believe. What is it about Chinese yeah. people that they they just make their own towns everywhere? <laughs> yeah, they. <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a novel concept! <laughs> Those Chinese making towns. <laughs> Everywhere they go, they make a town. <laughs> so Savahero. So, oh right, okay. So there's tensions rising in there. So was it? What were the tensions about? Were it about them versus the Bosnians? Is Bosnians the right word? Oh, you're getting. You're getting. It's the right word, but you are getting ahead of yourself, sir. Oh yeah. We we got we got a we got a little bit of time before we get to that particular battle. Okay. The tensions were with the Austro-Hungarian rulers. Oh, because it says the tensions were rising in the predominantly Serb area of Savahero. Yeah. Well, this is how it's going to relate to Serbia. Okay. Uh, so Archduke Franz Ferdinand decides to visit the city. Take a drive round in a uh, topless, like a roofless car. Surprisingly enough, he was assassinated. <laughs> but am I right in saying that there was a? He was originally there was originally an attempt for it, but that got foiled. But then he went back out 
yeah. The dumbest motherfucker ever. Yeah, that was a bomb attempt to get him. The bomb, it did go off, but it didn't get him, but it did injure some other people. So he went to the hospital to go see the people at the hospital. Then thought, I'm going to give it another go. Drives back out. <laughs> His driver takes a wrong turn. As he's driving down the street, one of the failed assassins sees him pull up in the car on the street and then just shoots him. So, is there like a conspiracy theory that he wanted to be assassinated? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Otherwise, why would you go oh, back what, out? Like a, what's, what they call it, a false flag? Yeah. That sort of thing. Well, it just seems like he, he went out looking to be killed. Why would you go out in a country that's not your own as like a leader or a head of state? Without any I mean, protection. That it was his, I guess. It was in his empire. Was it? I think you said it was the Archduke. Yeah. Oh! Oh, so he was in Bosnia. Bosnia was within... within it was within the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Oh, was it? I didn't know At that. At that time. Yeah. Okay. So, wait, Austria-Hungary did empire as well? Yeah. Scott, this is early 20th century Europe, mate. Everyone was doing empire. It was yeah. the thing to do at the time. <laughs> it was in. It was the trend. This is why people thought war was inevitable. Because yeah. it was like, everyone had these sick-ass huge empires with brand new badass guns. Yeah. I was like, we should totally have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> they hit puberty. All the European nations just hit puberty yeah. at once. And then they were like... <laughs> They're growing in places oh, they didn't man. think they'd grow. Anyways, um, <laughs> so they were in their empire, but they got assassinated by a Serbian. Yeah, yeah. As we said earlier in the episode on June the twenty eighth, nineteen fourteen, Austria, Austria Hungary thought that a Serbian government had something to do with this, so declared war on Serbia on the twenty eighth of July. Did they have something to do with it? Oh, well, that's another one of those up for dispute oh, debate right. things. I'm not a qualified historian to comment necessarily on that. I was just wondering if it was like one of those things where they found out afterwards, like there was a document that got leaked or something like that, and it was like proved. So this is where this is where the fun begins. Austria declares war on Serbia. Germany supports Austria. Then Russia is allied with Serbia, and France is also allied with Russia. So they all declare war on each other. Then Montenegro joins joins the alliance. Germany has to go through Belgium to get to France. Belgium was neutral, but allied to Britain, so Britain declared war on Germany. The Ottomans then join the war on the central power side. The Japanese join on the allied side. Okay, so hang on. Hang on, hang on. So you've got France, Russia, and Serbia versus Germany and Austria-Hungary, which includes Bosnia. Yeah. Okay. But then Germany's like, let's attack. Uh, then Montenegro joins. Which is right next to Serbia. Alright, so I'm, I'm getting a map of this in my brain. The Balkans, mate. Europe's most dysfunctional family. Um, Montenegro versus... Oh, they joined with Serbia, did they? Yeah, they joined with Serbia. They joined the Alliance. So I'm going to say the Alliance is Britain's side and the Central Powers are Germany's side. I mean, it, it was a world war, wasn't it? That's why it's <laughs> like everyone was involved. It was everyone versus everyone. It was like uh, Avengers Civil War, planetary terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It basically was. Yeah, everyone had to pick sides. And like, so Germany had to go through Belgium to get to France. But Belgium was neutral. So Britain declared war on Germany. 
and Ottomans joined on the Central Powers side. Okay. And then there's everyone starts joining in after that. Like these guys join, these guys join, these guys join. Yeah. So back down to here, right? They basically started it, or someone from Serbia did. Yeah. Was there anything interesting that actually happened with Serbia during the war? Yeah. Well, actually. Um, when Austria hung, because you got to think, Austria Hungary was a quite a big, powerful empire, and Serbia was a fairly small country, relatively. Serbia actually managed to repel the first early invasion of from Austria, and Serbia won the first major battle of World War One as well, and was the first of the Allies to win any battles in the war. Right. This was the Battle of the Sur and the Battle of Kolobara. And then we go skip ahead a year. In 1915, Austro-Hungarians broke through and occupied Serbia. The Serbs retreated through Albania to Greece and to Corfu. On the 15th of September 1918, the Serbs returned through the east and made a final attack on the Central Powers of Successful. They liberated Serbia and began the end of World War One. Around 700,000 Serbians died in the war, as around 50% of its male population. Serbia suffered the biggest casualties, casualty rates of World War One. Uh, the biggest, just to quickly clarify, the biggest casualty rate, which means their the amount died over their total population, not the not the total amount of people died, because a lot more. Yeah. That goes to Russia, I believe, doesn't it? The most people that died during World War One. Yeah, I think so. Because they basically just used a human meat grinder as their strategy, didn't they? Yeah, just send everyone in. If they don't come back, we'll just send more. Yeah. Heartless bastards. Anyways, so... So, yeah, so if you think about it, really, in the First World War, Serbia were, like... Again, like, they don't really get talked about too much, like, Serbia, but they won the first major battle, and they began the end of the war as well. So, if you think about it, like, they were... they were Pretty badass. Hardcore. Yeah, they were pretty badass. Do you remember me telling you about that woman? The uh, most decorated military no. woman. I'm going to send you... I'm going to put her name into the show notes so that you can try and pronounce it. Go for it. I'm doing it right now. Milunka... Savic. Milunka Savic. Um, She was Serbian, um, and during the war, uh, not the First World War, but the the one before that that they all had, the Balkan Wars, um, her brother got uh, sort of drafted to serve, and yeah. she decided to go in his in his place to go and serve in the war. Unbeknownst to anyone, she wasn't meant to do it. Of course, she was a bloody good soldier. She got, I believe, it was stabbed. I think she definitely sustained some sort of an injury. I think it, she got stabbed in her chest, which then sort of let out the secret because her chest was not male. <laughs> like a Mulan type story, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's Mulan meets Kat, was it Katniss? Katniss from Hunger Games? Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, but where is I it? love the Hunger Games. Yeah, do you? Yeah, that's a seal of approval from Rob. We need to make Rob seal of approval. <laughs> the first thing that we stabbed on was the Hunger Games. <laughs> Not the multiple countries we've talked about. <laughs> so she, she got an injury um, to her chest, which then meant that her sort of commander, her sort of boss found out yeah. um, that she was a woman. They told her that she had to go into uh, be a nurse. Right. And she she refused. 
she said that she wouldn't go back to she wouldn't do it, she wouldn't go into the nurse corps. Or would she be like a would she even be qualified to be a nurse? Like she's qualified to like hurt people, not heal them. Yeah, not but really. the there must have been some sort of a training program to at least make people competent in the nurse corps. Like with war you work with what you've got, don't you? You don't have enough time to send people yeah. for four years of education at one of the highest universities. Oh yeah. Yeah. As an aside, Scott, I'm going to do you a favour. Yeah. And tell you that you pronounce that word core. Corpse. Core. So it's a nurse core. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care about pronunciation. <laughs> no, I just play future reference for you. So yeah, she got sent to the nurse core. <laughs> yeah. But she wouldn't, she refused. Yeah. And eventually her boss um, relented and sent her back into the war. Why did she want to go back to fight, though? <laughs> like, that was horrible, World War One. Like, that's one of the worst wars to fight in. No, no, no. This was, this was in the Second Balkan War before. Right. But yeah, so she was sent um, back to the war. And afterwards she was in... She fought in World War One. And guess how many countries she got medals from in World War One. How many countries she got medals for in World War One? Mm-hmm. Mm, five. She got. She racked up two French legions, the Russian Cross, right. a British yeah. Medal of the Most Distinguished Order, and a Serbian Medal. Yeah, yeah. that's five then. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. You yeah. You got it right, Wadden. You got it right. Yeah, it's just a badass woman. She just decided that she would go and fight in all of the wars, and then. Um, at the end, she fought in World War Two as well. Um, and at the end of it, she settled down and got just the basic government pension. So she died absolutely penniless. With three adopted children as well. She adopted three children because you can't be too good. Um, and then, yeah, she died with no money. Right. So... Back to where we was. Where was we? World, end of World War One. We, we finished it, right? Well, essentially, we were just talking about the um, the death rate being the highest in Serbia. Yeah. Um, but then they became yeah. part of Yugoslavia, didn't they? Yeah, right. So, over the coming months, various territories in the region joined the Kingdom of Serbia. Because of, like, Austria, after the war, Austria-Hungaria fell apart. So all its territories were then, like, free again. A lot of them decided to join with the Kingdom of Serbia. So on the f- December 1st, 1918, the Kingdom of Serbs and Croats and Slovenes was formed. This is sort of the early days of Yugoslavia. You ever heard of Yugoslavia? I've heard the name, but I don't know what it means. This is going to be a treat, Scott. Yeah? Yeah, Yugoslavia's um, on a hell of a ride. Okay, <laughs> so I see, I see a list of countries there. Bosnia, Croatia, yeah. Montenegro, North Macedonia, um, Slovenia, Serbia, and Kosovo. Um, yes, those were the countries that made up Yugoslavia. So, was that who was the influence for that? Like, why did this happen? Or was it just the all of the states joined up with Serbia voluntarily? That never usually happens. Um, it's just at the end of World War One, the Kingdom of Serbia joined with the Kingdom of Montenegro, and um, joined with a lot of the territories that were previously within Austria-Hungary. 
Then we had a uh, Prince Alexander. He succeeded his fa- father on August 1921. The centralist Serb and autonomous Croats continually cra- uh, clashed. And this is when we're going to start to see the divide of inside Yugoslavia between S- Serbia and Croatia. That he struggled to form any form of government, as you can imagine. Kind of like governments are now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. In 1929, Alexander uh, decided to further unify the country and identity of the people, and he would change the country into the Kingdom of Yugoslavia and make a Yugoslav identity. However, this did not unite the people in any way, and many non-Serbs living in Yugoslavia far more alienated. Alexander was assassinated in 1934 while he was in Marseille. (laughs) Of course! That's the end to every story. The person who pissed everyone off was assassinated, and everyone lived every hour after, that... right? <laughs> well, if you... Nah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> he was thought to be assassinated by the IMRO, the Internal Macedonia Revolution- Revolutionary Organization. He was succeeded by his son, Peter, who was... Uh, who was only 11 at the time. So the country was run in a regency with his cousin, Prince Paul. In 1939, the autonomous Banate of Croatia was created to try alleviate the Croat concerns. This was a poor... This is thought to be a bad like mistake he made because of this further weakened the alliance of like Yugoslavia between all those other nations within it. What was it? The anonymous Banate? Banati? Banati. Yeah, Banati. Banate of Croatia. Basically he just granted the Croatia more like power over itself. Which would then began yeah. to weaken Yugoslavia as an entity. Yeah yeah. That was in nineteen thirty nine which as we all know, Scott, that's when World War Two starts. The sequel. Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. The sequel. Yeah. <laughs> the sequel. Now with nukes. <laughs> Bigger, better. Right. So Serbia. Oh wait, but they were. The Serbia wasn't. At least they didn't start this one. No, they was Yugoslavia was actually neutral in World War Two. Oh, were they? Yeah, and this is um, they were sent a message. By the access powers to uh, join them, um, Prince Paul decided to join them, and this is a bit of a tangent, but because he decided to join them, even even though he did decide to join them, they still invaded, and Hungary and Bulgaria were given, and Italy were given, um, Hungary and Bulgaria were given Serbia, Italy was given Croatia. Prince Paul then thought he could go to Britain to hang out with all the other exiled monarchies after in World War Two, but Churchill denied him access because of the previous signing of the agreement to like join the Axis powers. That's hilarious. So he had to then spend his time in in uh, British-controlled Kenya. Good. Well done, Churchill. Yeah. So during World War II, there was many different groups within Yugoslavia fighting for the freedom from the Germans. But the British needed to choose the right people to, to side with to best um, stick it to the Germans. So, based on 
intercepted German communications, they heard of a group of partisans led by Tito, or his real name was uh, Josip Broz, but he goes by Tito, and he's famous as Tito. This group was supposed to be posing a threat to the Germans. The funny thing is that the <laughs> the British trusted the, that intel over the Chetniks, which were fighting for the the royalist um, uh, sect of Yugoslavia, whereas the partisans were fighting for the communist sect. The Britons trusted the intel because it was uh, German in, um, intercepted rather than Yugoslav, and they thought the Germans would be more reliable. Amazing. <laughs> but the British didn't know too much about what was happening in Yugoslavia at the time, or even really who Tito was, but... Yeah. They sent someone to meet Tito and the partisans to form an alliance to help fight back against the Axis powers in Europe. This was a huge moment for the partisans as they had been like receiving the letter from Churchill's like they've been established as like, well they're a world they're a player on the world stage now, aren't they? Yugoslavia is, yeah. Oh no, the the partisans. Because remember Yugoslavia's been occupied now and it's been split. Oh and people right. fight rebellion against the Germans. Right, okay, okay, okay. So the, the partisans was that was that their actual name? Was that that's what they sort of went by, was the partisans? That's what you that's what they're known as, I don't think they was actually that. They won't be known as that later because they are communists. Right, but yeah, so the partisans were the partisans became a, their own sort of recognised people by the UK. And we're having UK, they were they're British supported. Yeah. They were supplied to British weaponry aircraft, military garrisons on some of the islands where they based their operations. But this is where the relationship with Britain falls apart. And one of the most important final battles, Tito was absent. He went to Russia to speak with Stalin and it allowed them to come into Yugoslavia. Alright. But like this was like, there's a big battle going on, really important battle. The British had like supplied them with everything and then he was just nowhere to be seen because he was off in Russia, like making deals with the Russians. Right. While the British are like supplying his army to fight for their freedom. And he's chilling out with Russia's. Russia. And this was viewed as quite a betrayal. This was viewed as quite a betrayal, but in the British eyes, after the war, all his men was kitted out with Soviet gear. Although Yugoslavia was not part of the USSR, they were now allied with them after World War Two, and it was. Considered they was on the east side of the Iron Wall, which is not surprising to say we're a communist nation at this point. But this yeah. is when we get from now we've had uh, pre World War Two, the Kingdom of Yugoslavia, post World War Two, the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. Ooh, fancy name! So, this there was a communist nation ruled over by Tito until the, 1980 when he died, and this began the break of Yugoslavia. There was hyperinflation, ethnic tensions, uh, building under the building under the surface. Uh, By ethnic media. tensions, you mean sort of like the Slavic people and the sort of rest of the people in the area were not seen eye to eye, sort of thing. Yeah, so remember how I said it was made of forty different countries: Bosnians, Serbians, Croats, yeah, uh, Montenegrins. Yeah, all these people groups are starting to get a bit. What in their own nations? Was it essentially a? I guess it was sort of the thing of they all joined together to beat the big bad, but now that the big bad is done, they all sort of still don't like each other all that much. 
Not necessarily. They all wanted to make a big country together, and then it just wasn't working out. Right. So everyone starts wanting their, they're wanting to leave and have their autonomy, but Serbia wants to keep it as one thing, and this is where a lot of this fighting is going to come in in a minute. Oh, there's more fighting. Great. Oh yeah, more fighting. So the the countries that sort of wanted independence were, which ones wanted independence? Was it just all of them except Serbia? Uh, for the most part, yeah, they all they all kind of did. Just restart with Croatia, though. Right. So, in the twenty fifth of June, nineteen ninety one, both Slovenia and Croatia officially declared their independence. They both uh, declared their independence, but they did it without sort of almost like permission from Yugoslavia. They just did it. Yeah, they just did it. It's asking for a war, they're just asking for a war at that point. Yeah. There is no peaceful solution to that. No, there was no peaceful solution here, really. Yeah. There was a 10 day war. But in the end, the Serbia did vote against. Um, Yugoslavia wanted to stop Slovenia leaving, but Serbia voted against it. So Serbia voted to let them leave? Yeah. The European community decided to get all six heads of the Republic to meet to solve this peacefully. Croatia said that they had the right to leave, and Serbia said if they did leave, then the Croatia, the Serbians living in Croatia had the right to join Serbia. That makes sense, yeah. Completely fair. Yeah. So they was gonna do it they was gonna sign this agreement, but then the agreement said the agreement that would let Croatia leave was refused to be signed by the pres the leader of Serbia because it said in that um thing that all six public republics would have the right to leave. Uh, yeah, so they was like, they was gonna let Croatia leave, and then they was like, if you let Croatia leave, you let everyone leave. And they were like, oh, no, we don't want to let everyone leave. <laughs> if the European community were sort of doing it peacefully, how did it all devolve into war? Wow, it starts from, it starts from here. First of all, we get North Macedonia uh, voted to leave, and this was the only one to break away fully peacefully. They voted to leave, and it was just accepted. Then we have the where Bosnia tried to leave, and this was the bloodiest part of the war. So they started a war with it? Yeah. So a, a Serb in Bosnia was killed, and that started the bloodiest part of the Yugoslav wars. Were they killed by the government of Bosnia? Uh, it's, a, it's one of those things again, isn't it? Right, you don't know. I think it was killed, I don't think it was killed by the government, but they was definitely killed politically, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because <laughs> of the ethnic tensions. God, so it was basically, everyone just left. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, but like Yugoslavia would keep having wars with them. They were left in a specific order, and there was a lot of fighting and infighting them over it. Then in 1992, Yugoslavia was officially like over, and it was remade with just Serbia and Montenegro as the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. This lasted from 1992 to 2003. But was it only... So So all of the countries that left, Yugoslavia started wars with. So Croatia, there was a... Croatia didn't have a war. Yeah, the Croatia had a war with them, yeah, yeah. So they all had wars with each different person. Um, but yeah. they all left anyway. With Serbia being, like, as the heart of of Yugoslavia, so think of it as like Serbia kind of fighting each one of these things. But I'm sure even though it wasn't necessarily Serbia, it was 
Yugoslavia, but mainly Serbia. But then Yugoslavia's army would include people from all of the countries, surely? No, well, it would have done, but once they'd left, people just like left and went to their respective armies. Yeah. You wouldn't, like, if you was going to fight for Bosnia, you wouldn't be fighting on the Yugoslav side, would you? you no, would but what I mean the Bosnian is, side. what I mean is more like, so let's say Bosnia are fighting Yugoslavia, would then yeah. Macedonia's troops be sent for Yugoslavia, even if they wanted to themselves become independent? Yeah, they would have done if they were still part of the Union, yeah. Get sent to fight in a war that someone else wants you to fight that you don't. Your your own country doesn't even want to be part of them. Yeah, I mean that's like all the colonies in World War One and Two, on it. Like, look how much fighting went on in Africa in World War One and Two. Right. So they all fall apart. The Republic of Yugoslavia is made. Is it a Republic? Yeah, the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. There we go. With, with made up of just Serbia and Montenegro, uh, and all the all these all these fighting carried on happening with Croatia and Bosnia. The UN had to get involved at one point and try and make a safe area. Then NATO attacked Bosnian Serbs as they refused the. When you say attacked, you mean they went NATO went to war against Bosnian Serbs. Yeah, so Serbia basically, but in Bosnia. But the Serbians living within Bosnia, yeah. And then a full-scale NATO bombing campaign began. Croatia attacked the Serb-held areas, leading many of the Serbs to flee the country and have their homes burned so they could never return. All parties then signed a peace treaty to end the Yugoslav war. However, this wasn't truly the end of all the violence because then we have the Kosovo war throughout the 90s. But we will talk about Kosovo in its own episode. Yes. Because there's a whole separate thing. Hello, it's Rob here. If you're the type of person that has more money than you know what to do with, and would like to give it to a couple grifters on the internet, then we're your guys. Link to the Rob's Map Patreon is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. So, have you... Do you know about the Serbian... What do you know about the Serbian flag? The flag of Serbia has got. So the flag of Serbia is a horizontal tricolor with red, blue, and white. These rep- these colors are usually like the considered the pan-Slavic colors. They're used all throughout the revolutions during the 1800s for the Slavic people revolting against like uh, the Ottomans and stuff like that. The white represents the light and radiance of the nation. The blue represents the sky. And the red represents the blood of those who fought for their freedom, which that will come up fairly often when you're looking at flags. There's also the coat of arms is on the towards the hoist side of the flag. It's not quite central, it's more to the hoist. I like the white for light and radiance of the nation. That's new. Usually white's for peace. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a decent flag. See, this is the thing, though. Does it pass the emoji test? And I don't think it does. I don't think it does. It's too, there's too much detail on it. Although, to be the fair, you could, you could see... Yes, uh, Snapchat it to me. Okay. Um, see, the thing is, if I can't see it from when I'm scrolling through, we know it's not, yeah. it's not passing the emoji test. 
like Federated States of Micronesia, I can now spot that a mile away. Boom, there it is. That's the interesting thing. I didn't realize that they did all the different flags for not just the countries, but also for the disputed territories like Hong Kong. I think this has solidly failed the emoji test. I just can't. F- oh, I was just typing "Serbian flag" and said in the chat, and uh, <laughs> usually it like auto. F- when you usually do that, it like auto fills emojis for you. Don't it? Screw Snapchat. <laughs> see if just Messenger has it. Switzerland. I've got Switzerland, so it must be just before that. Oh, there it is. I wonder why we couldn't see it. There we go. See the I thing. I can tell the Serbian flag by looking at it. Could you pick out of those three? They're all exactly the, the same. On the right. They're exactly the same. One on the right. There. One on the right. Well, they're the pan Slavic colours, Scott. Lots of countries are gonna have these colours. Yeah, but they will also have the, the coat of arms, which is too detailed to really see any information on. To yeah, the left, the hoist yeah, side, right. like Yeah. If you're gonna do a a design feature like that. At least, like, where's where's our boom, 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 boom? Yeah, they're just the Nordic flags. Yeah, the Nordic flags. They they have that design element where it's all unified. Yeah, but because there's no sort of like little pretty detaily parts. Yeah, it looks like that. Did you notice, by the way, I took a screenshot of you typing Serbia flag. That's going in the show. Notes. I was hoping it was going to auto fill emo- emoji for me. Yeah. Oh, I know what you hoped. <laughs> I know what you hoped, and your hope didn't work. That's a bit of a biased little uh, example there, there, Scott, because you know I love the Nordic Cross. It's one of my favourite features of a flag. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you get what I mean. You didn't even put my favourite one in there either. What's your favourite one? Norway. Go on, Scott, send me a little emoji flag for Norway. There you go. Just for you. Beautiful. Look at that. Makes me happy. Notice how you can immediately tell that was Norway. Yeah. Versus every other flag. So, Scott, does the Serbian flag get a pass from you? Mm, I mean, it's a pass, but it's a, it's a, not a high grade. We're going to have to start doing tiers, I know. And one day we can be like those YouTubers that just do tier lists. And they do tier of all the flags. <laughs> could you, oh, that could be a fun one. Should we do a tier list of every single flag? Um, not right now, but one day. Not right now, but like as a a live stream. Let's do a live stream. Every single flag. Yeah. One of those tier lists that you see with the YouTubers do. Yeah. But I would say we should grade them A through F with a U grade for countries like, um, well, I mean, you would probably give Brazil the U grade. S. S. Dude, <laughs> don't even twist my words on it. Don't even twist my words. I like Brazil's flag. That's why I picked that episode. <laughs> I specifically picked Brazil because I like the flag. I know. Anyways, um, what were you saying? Sorry. It's never going to leave me this, is it? Never. I don't even remember what I was going to say now, it? You've just triggered me. Well, you said about S. I think you were going to go... Oh, S2 is the highest tier. Come on, Scott. If you're doing a tier list. All right, then. So what we'll do is S, then A through F, then U. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that one day. So one of the facts that I saw that is disputed um, is do you know about the raspberry industry of Serbia? I do. I know it is the largest exporter of raspberries in the world. But is it though? Um, Because 
Serbia, I, I've seen um, a few things that have said that Serbia have been artificially inflating their exportation <laughs> figures. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And the, They've been artificially <laughs> inflating their sale of raspberries. <laughs> Russia and Mexico actually exported more. See, my thought of that was, well, my, my, my thought was that they were the, they produced more because they're bigger countries, so they just made more raspberries, but, like, Serbia, like, exports the most. No, they're, they're, they're third. According to, I'm going to look it up, there was an agricultural board or something. There was a, I read the entire article of one of these things. There we go. You read the whole thing about strawberries, but you didn't even look up one thing about Yugoslavia. <laughs> what was... I did not look at anything about strawberries. I looked at the entire thing about raspberries, Rob. Oh, I'm just... <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> so you looked at everything about raspberries, but you didn't look about Yugoslavia. No. What was your preparation for this episode? <laughs> it was preparing for the raspberry conversation we were inevitably going to have. It was always going to come out. We've got like our own little fruit segment now, don't we? Do we? Because we had, we had the one about the bananas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then um, about about four weeks later, I decided to follow it up with one about raspberries. <laughs> so, you know. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to go, go too hard on the segment, you know. I want to naturally let it, let it come in until the people are calling out for more facts about fruits. There we go. Right. Disagreeing numbers. In a variety of articles, Serbia was crowned the world's largest raspberry producer in 2015, according to national statistics. But according to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, Serbia produced around six tons of raspberries, outnumbered by Russia and Mexico, who produced respectively 8.4 and 17.8 tons of raspberries that year. You know what? I've never eaten a raspberry. Yes, you have. <laughs> There's no way you've gotten to this point in your life without eating a raspberry. Not like a straight up raspberry. I've eaten like raspberries in things, but oh, not yeah, okay, like then. a okay. whole raspberry. Like no, no, I've never eaten just a raspberry. I've had a strawberry because strawberries are the better one, aren't they? Yeah. But like, yeah, they are. Raspberries are like they're like a flavor for stuff. You don't just eat raspberries on their own, surely. Right, so you're saying they're not the world leader in raspberry production anymore, but they still make a fair few raspberries. They're making a significant amount of raspberries, but they are not number one. They are more than I'll ever eat. Yes, they are. They are. There's more. Well, to be fair, every country produces more raspberries than you will ever eat. <laughs> Even if they produce one, because you're never going to eat raspberries, are you? Um. I'm not, against, I'm not against it. I've never had the opportunity. The opportunity? They're in the store. <laughs> go buy one. I'm not going to go buy my own raspberry. Why are you waiting for the invite? Are you waiting for a Serbian <laughs> invite to come and have a raspberry? <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for a Serbia to formally invite after I upload this episode. I'm waiting for a formal invite from the Serbian government to come and let me try some raspberries. Or will it come from the Mexico government yeah. or the Russian government? Because they are the bigger producers of raspberries. Yeah, I don't care about their raspberries. You only want the Serbian. Oh, the Serbian ones. Yeah, they're the <laughs> finest of raspberry productions. 